As it is my honor to call this assembly to worship, I am mindful that we have a beautiful diversity of faith traditions represented tonight. And so I welcome and invite you to join this congregation in a spirit of prayer in whatever manner is meaningful to you. Join us now in a spirit of prayer. Blessed of all creation, we give thanks for this day, for the beauty of this sanctuary, for those who built it and those who have sustained it. We are so fortunate to be here in this house of prayer and worship. It's our intention that it be a sanctuary for all souls, those who come to celebrate life, those who come seeking healing and liberation, those who seek inspiration and challenge that they may serve humanity and all life. We give thanks for the spirit that has sustained this congregation. We give a special thanks and seek blessing for Barbara Gerald and those who have worked with her so that together all souls has come to this blessed occasion. We come together tonight, our hearts full. There is excitement and hope with us. Holy One and Holy Oneness, bless us with peace. Let it, let it fill us, surround us, and pull us from apathy and despair. Help us to know our place, our mission, our purpose, in humility and joy. Let the beauty of this evening awaken us to the tremendous gift that is the living, breathing ministry that is here. Help us to open our minds and hearts to the words and the spirit that is shared tonight. Let the beauty of this event nurture all in attendance, and may the power of this ceremony touch also those who could not be here tonight. And finally, Spirit of Life, as we seek to feed the most awesome task that, this is, that is this ministry of the congregation, let us not be so serious as to forget to smile and enjoy our time together. Amen. Let us join together in the opening words by that infamous Unitarian theologian, B.C. Together let us read, The flame of our chalice bears witness to the life of the Spirit that dwells in us and among us. By its light we seek to raise up these things that are precious, beautiful, holy, and just, for our reverence, our church is the bridge between the past and the future, linking those who walk in the way of the Spirit. We seek to support and sustain one another, no matter what befalls us through all the ages and stages of life. We teach our children what it means to be human. We help our members live in right relationship and to honor the mystery in which we live and move and have our being. Thus do we covenant one with another to seek what is good, true, just, wise, lovely, and holy, and to know what is required of us by them.
Thus we bind ourselves to walk together in the paths of love, to grow our souls, and to stand against everything that would diminish the human spirit. gathered on this night to perform one of the most sacred rites of the Unitarian Universalist tradition. We have come to bestow upon Barbara Jarrell the title of minister and the blessings of this congregation. As Unitarian Universalists, we have both the right and the responsibility to do this. We have recognized the seriousness of this ordination and have consulted with the district executive, with senior ministerial colleagues, and with Unitarian Universalist Association staff. We have employed uh, compensation consultants, and the congregation has agreed that our minister should be treated fairly and respectfully with regard to compensation. In recognizing Barbara's call to the ministry and by ordaining her, the congregation has supported her journey and has responded with sacrificial giving. During her journey that has culminated in this ritual, Barbara has served the congregation as director of education and has twice stepped up to serve as chaplain. She has served on the district board has attended the UU Association and District events, including annual Southwestern Unitarian Universalist Summer Institute (laughs) and ministerial retreats. 
She has served on the Building and Grounds Committee, has always provided music in church, and has climbed the scaffolding. (laughs) She is an excellent choir director, teacher, and listener, and she conscientiously builds thoughtful Sunday sermons that reflect her awareness of the needs of this congregation. She represents our cherished UU values in her community involvement and inspires acceptance of other faith traditions. She is steadfast in her hope for the future and her conviction that one person can make a difference. And she loves us. Our congregation's commitment to Barbara and our confidence in her future as our spiritual leader was reflected in the enthusiasm of our votes to ordain her. We are anticipating continued spiritual growth for Barbara and for ourselves, and we love her. In recent weeks, much of our public conversation has turned once again back to the events of September 11, 2001, and sadly with much of the same strident fervor that characterized that that first round of reaction. But in looking back on that time and looking forward to this event, it was your voice, Barbara, that came through for me. Your voice on the phone early in your first chaplaincy as we decided to have a service, and your thoughts on what should go in it, your voice in the pulpit for the people who needed to be here that night, saying a prayer that it was exactly what needed to be said. You acknowledged the anger and the pain and the fear that nothing again would ever be the same, and yet you called us to remember the pain of so many people in the world for whom that horror had become so brutally commonplace. Even in that dark hour, you lifted up the blessing of our having felt so safe for so long and all the reasons why, at that moment, more than ever, we needed to reach out in love and compassion and not vengeance and hatred. You struck a much-needed balance of comfort and challenge. Whether speaking from the pulpit or to any one of us face-to-face through one of your songs or through the profound silence that says, I am listening. It is your voice, grown stronger, more powerful, more compassionate, that calls us together today. We have listened as the range of your already beautiful and powerful singing voice has grown in the years since you quit smoking. (laughs) And we have listened as the range of your prophetic voice has grown deeper, wider, higher, continually calling each of us to grow closer to the divine as we understand it, to reach the highest and best within ourselves, and then to walk that out into the world. We're listening, and already you are teaching us how to let go of our fear and grab a harmony. Thank you.
Good evening. I'm Jennifer Nichols, and I'm here to bring greetings from the Southwestern Unitarian Universalist Conference from the Southern Hallelujah Region and the Unitarian Universalist Association on this joyous occasion. Early in the Torah, it says that we're all created, but Selah Elohim, in the image of God. Barbara Help, excuse me, Reverend Barbara. <laughs> the soon-to-be <laughs> Reverend Barbara has all, always taught us to always see that spark in us that is that image of God, has helped us celebrate the similarities that we have and helped us to show respect for those things that are different. I bring you greetings from the Jewish community. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Lady Carlson, and I'm an organizer with Northern and Central Louisiana Interfaith. Interfaith brings people together to advocate for the common good. Reverend Barbara and All Souls are an integral part of that. Uh, And just one quick story. We believe in argument, debate, and dialogue. And Barbara has said that she and I, although you may not readily see the resemblance, must be sisters because we model that very well. Hello, Shreveport. (laughs) Hi. It is said that a preacher has only one sermon to give. I preached that sermon for eight years (laughs) at All Souls, and the Memphis congregation has heard my one sermon for 26 years. You and they are still trying to get it. <laughs> it, it could be the preacher. <laughs> but after all these years of practice, I have my one sermon down to one sentence, and I begin with it. Everything we have is on loan to us. Everything. Our loved ones, our friends, our children, our homes, our work, our bodies, culture, nature's glory, this beautiful space, the church, are all ours to enjoy, but we do not own them. For everything we have, everything, must be returned at the end. This world and everything in it is on loan, given to us for a brief time, entrusted to our care. Now, I know how we resist this, the idea of grace, The idea that we might need grace of the givenness of all things. For we are nothing else if not achievers. Do we not earn what we have, deserve what we have in some things we don't too? 
That's the problem with our achieving life. It is never quite good enough. Even if we owned everything our hearts desired, chances are, chances are, our hearts would want something else. And so my one sermon is about the difference between achieving a life and receiving a life as stewards who receive a life rather than consumers who achieve a life. The only significance of things is our relationship to them. Is it not a terrible thing to be called consumers? To be defined by what we use up? It is a terrible thing to be taught that our worth is measured by the achievements of what we acquire, rather than by the depth of our spirit. And it confuses us about what is of true value, what is of real worth. I imagine that many of you are familiar with the Antique Roadshow, that public broadcasting program that appraises antiques, art, and collectibles that are brought in by individuals to find out what they are worth. And I confess to loving it. Now, I could tell you that it fascinates me because I learned so much about the history and culture and art of things, and that's true enough, but it also mesmerizes me for the very wrong reason, and that's the thrill of learning that what was given to you as a hand-me-down or bought for a few dollars at the garage sale or maybe even at the church auction (laughs) is really worth hundreds or thousands of dollars. And the show, the show is constructed to give the full dramatic effect of these revelations, both good and bad. Well, in one episode, a man brought in an old striped Indian blanket for appraisal. And his, his ancestors did not have much money, but they did have this one nice, wonderful, beautiful wool blanket. And the man was surprised to learn that the blanket was the first phase Navajo blanket that was worth between $350,000 and $500,000. Now here's the thing. It had been used to cover furniture in the effort to preserve the small value of the furniture, but the real value was in the covering itself. And so it's easy for us to forget that which is of greater value in our lives. How easy it is to forget that we truly don't own anything, that everything is on loan, cannot be taken with us at the end, and that the only significance of things is our relationship to them. Ponder what we are related to. Ponder the mystery in which we live and move and have our being. The greening beauty of May. This breathing blue sky. That muddy brown god of a river that flows before my church. And all the things of creation that are given to us. 
How often we speak of creation as an event that took place in the dark and distant past of mythological or astronomical time, yet our eyes can see, if we would but open them, that creation is taking place every moment of our lives. It has borne us into existence. We are born, not made. Never forget that. We are born with that most rare of gifts. In the Hebrew scripture, that gift is identified as the breath of God, nephesh or spirit. And what it means is that creation bears witness to itself through us. The great gift is the spirit that allows us to be aware of, to appreciate, and to participate in creation. And so it is to be fully awake is always the spiritual imperative of religion. Awake to the grace of life, of how we receive a life, to practice gratitude and humility before the gift instead of walking up to the world and telling it what it's doing here. We gather in religious community to nurture and grow our capacity for appreciative awareness. It is known as wonder, reverence, a sense of the sacred. In our faith tradition, we affirm that the sacred is in the world, in this life, dwelling here, now, within, around, and among us. The life of the Spirit which is our ability to grow in understanding and appreciation, can be diminished as well as nurtured. And one of the ways we lessen the spirit is by taking for granted what is important to us. We do this with our friends. We do it with our loved ones. This we understand. But what is most hidden from us is how we take for granted the particular way we are related to one another in our congregations. It's like that invaluable native blanket used to protect inexpensive furniture. What is in plain view but underappreciated is how we relate ourselves into religious community, especially in a congregation without creeds. The invaluable thing is the way we create a church through covenant, through the promises we make to one another. In the free church, it is the way we create divine relationships. And this is of fundamental importance. Now, what would you say if I asked you what the importance of this service of ordination is? You might say it's the celebration of Barbara's achievements or the recognition of her deepening stature among you that's already been well spoken to, or perhaps a rite of passage welcoming her officially into the ministry. All true, but I wonder, I wonder how many of us are aware that this service is significant because it reflects how we are related to one another. To ordain a person to the ministry is one of the most important things any congregation may do. This service should be recognized as one of the most sacred things that can bring us together. You see, it is the congregation 
that confirms the spiritual call of a person to the ministry. No one, no one else in our tradition can do that. For us, a congregation is a body of worshipers united by a voluntary covenant rather than by external ecclesiastical authority. This means that each member of this congregation has the power the president of our association does not have. You have power the board of trustees of our association does not possess. You have power the general assembly of our association does not dwell in. You have more power than the Southwestern Conference. You have more power than all the clergy of the Minister's Association. They, all those organizations, are not churches. You are. Only you can vote on the business of this church. Only you can call and ordain a minister. This affirms the sacred worth of each person in the pew. In our congregations, dating back to the 17th century in New England, the local church elected one of its own, one of its own, to serve as spiritual leader. The very first votes ever cast this side of the ocean sea were by people like you to elect their minister. This is the most sacred thing, the minister's election, only made possible by the primary relationship of that person to the particular church as an equally covenanted member. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I want you to get this. I am here standing before you in this precious free pulpit, giving my one sermon yet again (laughs) because I am you. Because I am you. And so it is that the minister is not an employee of the church. And though we may speak about clergy in terms of being hired or fired, the language that appropriately describes this very special relationship is that the clergy are called or dismissed if necessary. You know too well the pain of that, the pain of broken relationship. To speak about contracts between the minister and the congregation also diminishes the special relationship between the two. It is the language of covenant that speaks of mutual trust. And this is what you will be doing now. And because the minister is is first called out of the congregation, the democratic quality of the relationship is established. Barbara's vocation is not one of giving the sacraments of the church, It is not to expound on truths the clergy have special competency in, though she may be forever offering her one sermon to you. Good luck. She is, in the words of the church historian, my teacher at Harvard, Conrad Wright, she is to live She is to learn and she is to grow with this congregation she is called to serve. 
And you, by ordaining Barbara, confirm and give testimony that she has lived and learned and grown with you in the capacity of being your director of religious education, in the capacity of being your lay chaplain. And you bear witness that she has the ability to walk with you through the trials and triumphs and the ordinary times of your lives, to grow in spirit with you and to exercise spiritual leadership democratically. And it is this sense of identity with the people of the parish and the attending relationship based in trust and sealed by a covenant that marks our ministry. I swear to you, my people, it is the most precious thing we possess. Calling out Barbara from among you signals that the identity of being a minister is derived from this primary relationship of being in covenant with members of the local church. It is, it is, it is the most sacred thing. It is a calling. It's not a job. It's a way of life with a people, not a livelihood gained in exchange for contracted services. And this is why you are a congregation Listen carefully. You are a congregation and not an audience. And though Barbara has yet to receive ministerial fellowship from our association, something I pray she will pursue and something I pray that you will support, only you can make her reverend in our tradition. Only after what takes place next does she gain rightfully that designation. And hear me, that special relationship is not rooted in a creed, it's not rooted in a confession, it's not rooted in a sacrament, it's not rooted in a book of common prayer, it is rooted in the covenantal relationship of mutual trust and responsibility. I close with a story, a story told about the time the Queen of the Belgians was visiting Poland, and uh, while in Poland was still under communist rule, and Everywhere she went, a guard of the secret police accompanied her. Now, she was a Catholic, and she often attended Mass. On one occasion, while she was kneeling in prayer, she noticed that the guard standing beside her was moving his lips and saying his prayers. And she was surprised, and she asked him, Are you a Catholic? And he responded, I believe, but I don't practice. She then asked, You are a communist then? To which he answered, Practice, but I don't believe. (laughs) So be awake. Today, in this service, in this moment of ordination, our belief and our practice come together. And do not take for granted what you are about to do. It is, it is, I swear to you, it is the most sacred thing.
Within the Unitarian Universalist Religious Movement, the authority to confirm ordination lies wholly with the local church. It is meaningful and joyous when a congregation joins together as we have to recognize the one who has chosen the ministry as her life's work. We come together this evening to ordain Barbara Nell Jarrell into the ministry. Barbara, because we have borne witness to your commitment to the ministry of liberal religion, recognizing your sense of obligation to the ideals of our principles, and because we have watched your growth in the gifts that demonstrate your calling, by the authority and consent of the members of this parish, we desire to ordain you to the ministry of religion. Among us, wherever you may be called to serve, we would have you minister no less by your example by than your precept of the principles of our faith. Will the members of the congregation please rise in body and spirit and join me? We, the members of All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church, do hereby ordain you, Barbara Nell Jarrell, Unitarian Universalist Ministry. We charge you to lead as you have opportunity, witness to moral and ethical concerns, celebrate the principles of our faith, minister to the human joys and sorrows in truth and in the greater service of love of the, and of the spirit that moves among us, among us and through us. Family and friends, who also wish to participate in this occasion, will you please rise in body or spirit and join us? Barbara, because we have watched your growth and commitment, because of the many ways you have touched our lives, we too enter into the spirit of your ordination with this church community and offer our blessings upon your chosen staff. Trusting not solely in my own strength, but in the sustaining power of the eternal, I accept this charge with a deep sense of obligation and opportunity, mindful of its privileges and responsibilities, take up the ministry to which you ordain me. I do pledge myself, so far as it lies in me, to speak the truth in love, both publicly and privately, to lift up what is life-affirming, beautiful, holy, and just, to honor your trust and live in service to God as I am given to understand God, with faith May that which is greater than all and a part of each.
standing. So we are about to have a prayer of ordination, but to do that, we're going to all come together in one great web of support for Barbara. Barbara, I want you to come down to the front there next to Steve. I'd like Barbara's family, her close friends of a long tenure, please come on right up to the front where Barbara is and put your hands on Barbara. You know you want to. Come on. Don't be shy. There they are. Where is that tall, red-headed boy? <laughs> All right. Grand. And then whoever is closest to this circle, please reach out and touch someone who is in the circle. And so let's join together all the way up to the back. And those of you who are in the balcony, just put a hand out for us, will you? (laughs) Very good, and touch one another. Excellent. Every hand, every bit of this encouragement, we are the congregation, the community, the parish, standing together at this moment. And now Dr. Peter Huff will lead us in prayer. Each of us enters this sanctuary with a different need. Some hearts are full of gratitude and joy. Some ache with sorrow and disappointment. Some are embittered. Some are searching. In this moment of silence, a still, small voice speaks in the depths of our souls, all souls. It speaks to us of what we must do to come closer to the sacred. In our love and our doubt, in our longing to find a higher purpose, we pray. When anxiety makes us tremble and pain clouds the mind, we pray. We listen for the still, clear voice within us and pray. We pray tonight for this congregation, those who founded it, those who lead and serve it, those who contribute to its strength, those who love it, those who profit from its presence in the community. May all who enter this house of worship be blessed. May they be grateful for the joy of community, the gift of diversity, the grace of acceptance, and the vision of a better life. We pray in a special way for this woman ordained tonight. We are deeply grateful for the many gifts she brings to this task and her faithful record of selfless service and inspiring musical integrity. We give thanks for all who have nurtured those gifts in her, teachers, mentors, friends, colleagues, collaborators, competitors, and all who have encouraged her to take this new step tonight. We honor those who have come before her in this pulpit, but especially those pioneering souls who have sought new light 
and made this great religious movement an uncommon fellowship of freedom. Saints, martyrs, mystics, prophets, priests, heretics, seekers, restless souls, great souls. Especially John Murray, Hosea Ballou, William Ellery Channing, Jared Sparks, Olympia Brown, Antoinette Brown, and the six candidates for ordination who were the original congregation for Ralph Waldo Emerson's Harvard Divinity School address one July day in 1838. May these and all the other holy mothers and fathers of this unfinished faith, ancestors in the spirit, surround Barbara now as a great cloud of witnesses. May they grant her a special portion of their wisdom, their courage, their character, their patience, their insight, their hunger, and thirst for justice. We pray for Barbara as she enters this holy office that she will be a newborn bard of the Holy Ghost, casting behind her all conformity and acquainting her brothers and sisters at first hand with what she has discovered to be worth living for and worth dying for, with the sick, the bereaved, the lonely, and the lost, the troubled and the troublesome. May she let their doubts know that she has doubted, and their wonder feel that she has wondered. May she work with untiring faithfulness even when no one's eye is upon her. May she be loyal to her heritage, seeking greater knowledge of her tradition and putting its teachings to work in her life. May she become ever more conscious of her dignity, and may she never forget to cherish the divine image in every person she meets. May she speak truth to power and always speak the truth with love. May she come to the end of each day with a feeling that she has used its gifts wisely and faced its trials courageously. And when this night has faded into the past, and even friends remember only what she has promised to do or failed to do, may she look back to this night at all souls and rekindle the smoldering fire on the altar, stirring into flame the gift of her high calling received through the ancient rite of the imposition of hands. May she look back to this night, and may we all look back to this night, and bless it. Blessed be. Amen. Do we, members of this congregation, welcome this minister we have now fully ordained?
Good evening. I'm Thomas Ratcliffe. And I'm Crystal Butler. And we bring a message of hopes and blessings from the children and youth of all souls. Reverend Barbara Gerald, at the end of the reception, well, at the reception following the ceremony, you'll be presented with a book of all of these. The writers range in, range in age from high school to pre-K. We would like to read you a few of them. My hope for you as our minister is to teach us what we do not know and encourage what we do know. My blessing for you as our minister is, you've always had a place in my heart and you will do a great job like you have been. My hope for you as our minister is that you take this place of peaceful worship and enhance it. We all know you can, and with all of us supporting you, there is no telling what we can do. My blessing for you as our minister is that you enjoy every step you take along this path. My hope for you as our minister is that all goes well and that you have the best of luck. You are very loved and thought of by everyone each day. You have good leadership and everyone likes you. <laughs> My blessing for you as our minister is that you become what you want. May God be with you on your special day and watch over you. You have done so much, and we love and appreciate you for that. God bless you and your sweet family. My hope for you as our minister is that you know how much we support you as a congregation. My blessing for you as our minister is that the love of all of us and a, and a good experience. My hope for you as our minister to find hope in your path. My blessing for you as our minister is peace and happiness. My hope for you as our minister is new people will come to church and worship God. My blessing for you as our minister is to have a long life. My hope for you as our minister <laughs> is that new people will like the thought of a minister that will tell their friends so lots of people will come to our church. My blessing for you as our minister is that you will be important and like being a minister. My hope for you as our minister is that you are cool and amazing and do a great job. My blessing for you as our minister is that you're number one and a super princess and amazing. Oh no! Welcome to Dream. Wow. Okay. Wait, wait, let's take the photos. Yeah, I got it. I got it. My hope for you as our minister is fun. My blessing for you as our minister is that you have a terrific and amazing time being Reverend Barbara. That's all we got. Yeah. That's all she wrote.
Barbara, when you called me this spring and asked me to offer a charge to you, I was truly honored and am truly honored. The opportunity to be in front of people. Yeah. I once actually heard there was a minister who wasn't a narcissist. I have yet to meet that minister. It is an honor to be here. It was an honor to be asked to write a letter of recommendation for you to associate membership in the UU Ministers Association. But it was also a challenge because you haven't followed the normal pathway into ministry. You haven't done all the things in the order that they're supposed to be done. But then I realized in some ways I am the poster child for not doing things in the order they're supposed to be done. So who am I kidding? And I also remember the history that Burton touched on. That the first ministers called in this tradition on these shores were from inside the congregation. They were not called from outsiders who they wished to be ministers. These were people who had been with them and had loved them. And they said, we see you as our minister. Please serve us. And I know that you continue that tradition. I urge you and I hope that you will continue to find ways to fill in those pieces of the protocol. It's important. I hope you seek to deepen your experience here. And I'd like you to come forward as I offer you three specific charges. Actually, three charges, two charges, and one charge. The first. Math, what a concept. The first is love the congregation, love the congregation, love the congregation. To speak the truth in love. It's not enough to speak the truth and it's not enough to speak in love. So love the congregation, love the congregation, love the congregation. The second is to hold something in your heart that will happen. There will come a time that you disappoint the congregation and that the congregation disappoints you. What's most important is understanding the covenant which you have created with this congregation that will pull you through that experience. To know that what happens next is more important than what has just happened. For we are all human. This will give you a chance to experience your congregation again, newly, and for them to experience you. And the third... Last night at the gathering with the board and with your ordination committee, a toast was offered, giving you the challenge to truly understand that they are asking you to lead. Only you will know what the difference between the title of chaplain and reverend means on your door. But it will mean that you are to lead, that you are to discern the vision and mission of this congregation and to cast it. Not to create it, but to discern and to cast it. So those three things, to love the congregation, to understand that we are in a covenantal tradition and what happens next is more important than what has just happened, and above all, to be present and to love. That is your charge.
It is time now to receive the gifts of the congregation. By tradition, when we have our big occasions, ordinations, installations of ministers, dedications of building, we collect a fund for the UUA Living Tradition Fund. The Living Tradition Fund provides resources for our students who are in ministerial formation, our ministers during emergency situations in their lives, crises like when our beloved ministers down in New Orleans all had all their possessions flooded out, and for, of course, our retiree ministers in need of our assistance. So we would ask that you live generously. Your checks may be made out to all souls or to the UUA, and I will now have the ushers come forward. Thank you. Please rise in body and or spirit.
Thank you. Please be seated. So, um, a little less than two decades ago, Burton was here and I was here, and you were ordaining me. And we are by no means the only ones. And so the first charge that I would give you is to continue to seek out the gifts of the Spirit and to challenge people and to call them into service. Because I guarantee you, on my third Sunday here, when someone said, Oh, you can lead services, I did not believe them. (laughs) And I was right. But you had me do it anyway. You know, there was a moment when we thought maybe I would do the call to the minister, but I'm, I, I charge Barbara on a regular basis down at Barnes & Noble, so she, she, I think, didn't want to hear any more from me. We go so far back, Barbara and I. We go back before we were saved by Unitarian Universalism. And by this congregation. We go back to when I was a coked up yuppie and Barbara was leaning up against her guitar to try to play in the local bars. (laughs) And yet through the grace of God we were brought to this congregation. Who polished us like diamonds. And sent us out to cut hard things. I charge you to remember that Barbara is not perfect. I know. I have given her a long list of ways that she should improve herself. Barbara just excels. There's no challenge that she doesn't meet. Remember that she's not perfect, but remember that she's a lot better than she thinks she is. Isn't that true? So let us here always encourage Barbara. Because though she is not perfect, still she is our minister. It is a spiritual discipline to live in a relationship with a minister. Some days you hate the minister, and this is good ministry. (laughs) And some days you love us very much, and that really is not such good ministry as the other. It is all well and good when we love one another. But as Unitarian Universalists, we are supposed to follow that great maxim, I tell you that anyone can love your friends. I charge you to love your enemies. And so love your minister and respect her and follow her, even if she's dead wrong. And the reason for that is this. You have set Barbara aside today. Yay, from my perspective, you have cursed Barbara. (laughs) You have set her aside. 
She will be watched everywhere she goes to see if her comportment is correct. She will be criticized on her hairdos, her clothing, her grammar, her speediness to return phone calls, the set of her smile when you see her. She has been set to a huge challenge. All of us have, and we all fail all the time. But this is the great discipline of Unitarian Universalism. You are in a covenant with Barbara. You are in a covenant with one another. It would be nothing if we could be perfect people and always live in the covenant. Our challenge, our spiritual discipline, is to get back into the covenant when we have failed it. I charge you to encourage Barbara to continue her development, her formation. But by no means is Barbara less than any of the rest of us because of the way that she has entered into this ministry. Many a person is ordained by their congregation and wanders away and is never seen by them again. Many a person is ordained by the first congregation that they serve that really don't know them very well at all. But you have tested and tried, Barbara, (laughs) and will again. And you have grown in love with Barbara, and she has learned what it is to be a minister, and she learns it again every day. I charge you to be what you are, what you are. We have been hurt here. We have been injured. We have trusted those who were not perhaps trustworthy some days. Love again. Trust again. Lean into that trust. Our best days are always ahead of us. Across two mighty, wide, and deep rivers today. (laughs) The Mississippi and the Atchafalaya. Very wide, very deep, historic. And if I may say so, the bridge is held. And if I may say so, it is a high, a high watermark in Shreveport and All Souls tonight. I bring greetings on behalf of the Unitarian Universalist Ministry, and I do so joyfully and proudly, and in a sense I'll just call these, though they're not original, they're part of the covenant language of the UUMA. So these words will be familiar to the UU clergy in our midst today, but tonight I'm going to call them the Eight Noble Paths because they suggest a covenant, 
of clergy among clergy, but meaningful to, I think, all those gathered tonight because covenant is of great importance, as been articulated in so many different ways this evening. One, to conduct ourselves with integrity, honoring the trust placed in us. Two, to embody in our lives the values that we proclaim on behalf of our faith. Three, to support one another in collegial respect and care, understanding and honoring the diversity within our association. Four, to hold ourselves accountable to each other for the competent exercise of our vocation. Five, to use our power constructively and with intention mindful of our potential unconsciously, unconsciousness to perpetuate systems of oppression, very important part of our covenant. Six, to seek justice and right relations according to our evolving collective wisdom and to refrain from all abuse or exploitation. Seven, to cultivate practices of deepening awareness, understanding, humility, and commitments to our ideals. And eight, to labor earnestly together for the well-being of our communities and the progress of Unitarian Universalism. So tonight I call them the eight noble paths, the covenant of our ministry, one to another. It is through faithfulness to this covenant that you, Barbara, joined the ranks of the UU ministry, a time-honored tradition of congregations selecting and calling ministers as they see fit, and this congregation saw fit in its wisdom and joy to do so. It's the Reverend Barbara Gerald, whom I welcome joyfully on behalf of the UU clergy tonight. I welcome you with, with wholeheartedness and faithfulness as equals, as colleagues one to another, in the spirit of mutuality, in the spirit of hospitality, you and I and our sister and brother clergy serve together in a living religious tradition, and you join the rank of ministers, many who have preceded us, many more to be called yet to serve in this free church tradition, which has been history's great legacy. So in that spirit, we, you, you clergy, welcome you. I get to offer the hand, and I do it joyfully, representing not only the current clergy, but those yet to follow all of us, mindful also of the past who moved this tradition on forward for us to serve in it. I welcome you, Barbara.
The earth has arms that hold us near Protect us from the things we fear And though we walk down this path alone Singing, welcome home, I yeah, welcome home We come together in the morning sun To celebrate what we've become People giving each other what we need With courage, strength, and power We will succeed And though we walk down this path alone Singing, welcome home, I am Welcome home. We strive for peace deep within our hearts, and the love we feel makes a brand new start. And I give to you. When you give to me And I'll hold you close in my memory And though we walk down this path alone Singing, welcome home, I yeah, welcome home And though we walk down this path alone Welcome home, I am welcome home. And after all our work is done, there'll be no more fighting, there'll be no more guns as we hold hands the world becomes one singing welcome home I am welcome home and though we walk down this path alone singing welcome home I am welcome home and though we Walk down this path alone, singing, Welcome home, I yeah, welcome home. And though we walk down this path alone, we're not alone, no, we're not alone. Though we walk down this path alone, Welcome home, singing. Welcome home, I yeah. Welcome home, singing. Welcome home, I yeah. Welcome home.
all 